Yes. <laughs> I'm Mikey Wilson and this is DWMOD. Yeah. Michael Jordan is a baby and a liar. Down! Hut! 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 Isaiah Thomas deserved to be on the dream team, and Jordan kept him off it. Ready? Aw, Lions fans drinking that Kool-Aid Super Bowl! Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Hut! Hut! Quinn and Patricia are in job-saving mode. They're gonna get fired this year for it, and we're screwed. Again. Down! Jim Harbaugh is supposed to be the quarterback whisperer. He can't develop any of the four and five star guys he's brought in. I don't get it. Hut. They're not going to put sweet Lou Whitaker in the Hall of Fame. Please, baseball writers of America. What a bunch of old white assholes. Ready? The greatest professional wrestler ever. The macho man, Randy Savage. Yeah, because the cream of the crop will always rise to the top. Yeah. Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Ha <laughs> ha. Welcome back for another episode of DWMOD, guys. Hope you Tecmo Bowl fans like the new intro. That <laughs> sounded pretty good. Been pretty tough to put together new episodes, man, during the pandemic. I mean, you guys are out there. You're going through it, you know. But I just want to thank everybody, man. We went over a 1,000 listeners on the show. Um, that's great. I can't believe it, you know. I just can't wait till we can get back to getting some guests on the show. Uh, hopefully soon here, man. Trying to put together a list, trying to get a hold of some folks and... See if we can get together now. We got inoculations going out there and whatnot, but we'll see, man. Everybody's staying hunkered down. But thanks again for listening. Much appreciated. As always, the show is brought to you by Ice Cold Delicious Old English 800 Malt Liquor. Soon to be sponsor of the show. Get it together over there, Old English 800. Be the official sponsor of DWMOD. A lot of big news to get here coming out of Detroit, coming out of the Michigan area. I mean, the game. The game canceled. Can you believe it? I mean, I can't believe they canceled the game. I was I was baffled. I was talking to some folks, and, and, and they said, now nah, they're probably just going to cancel the game because Ohio State's going to whip the shit out of Michigan anyway. You know what I mean? But I, I thought Jimmy would be smarter than that. I'm, I'm not saying it was completely up to him, but I'm saying I just thought that wasn't the smartest play. Play the game. I mean, Ohio State just had an outbreak of COVID like crazy. They went into Michigan State with second and third teamers, basically third teamers, and whipped their ass. I mean, so you're, you you look, they were about to kick our ass anyway this year. So why run and hide? I mean, at least give yourself a built-in excuse. Go play them with the third stringers and get hammered. Then at least you can head out to the media and be like, I mean, hey, what do you what do you want me to do? I mean, we're depleted COVID. I mean, yeah, they destroyed us. I don't know. This is a sad day. Sad day that there's no other way to look at it. I mean, run and hide. Run and hide in that game. Uh, terrible. I mean, I'm sure that he had the inside track and, and the pl- people at the university making that call had the inside track and knowing that the Big Ten was going to get together and change the rules so Ohio State can play in the championship game so that we can be represented in the playoff. And that's ultimately important. And that's also what I thought Jim Harbaugh would do. I thought he would feel the sense of urgency, that the ultimate importance of conference first. You know, if you want to look good in the future, you need some big dogs to beat. You need some people in the conference to make the conference look good. So ultimate importance is the conference. I thought he would bend over backwards to try and play that game because no one's going to hold it against you for getting hammered when you're only playing with, with your second and third string, man. I, I really thought that they would feel sense of urgency to make sure they get the game in so that Ohio State can qualify to play for that Big Ten title game and, you know, go on to the playoff, which is what they're going to do. I mean, 
you know, they got together and changed the rule. They're going to do that now. But I, I was really shocked. I was shocked. I, I, I would have bet money that they were not going to cancel the game. And it got canceled. But that brings us to our topic of conversation, man. Jimmy Harbaugh. I mean, listen, um, tweets are already coming in. I know it, man. I'm a hater. I'm a hater. Especially the Garrett Fuller, always all over me. You're a hater. I'm a Harbaugh hater. Nothing could be further from the truth, man. Uh, I grew up. I wasn't even 10 years old. Not even, I was probably about seven or eight years old when when he was playing at Michigan. And that's when I really kind of fell in love with football. And he was one of my heroes growing up, man. And, and, And when he, by the time he was playing for the Colts and Captain Comeback, I've got a, a Harbaugh Colts jersey in my closet right now. I mean, you know, I've got a Harbaugh Michigan jersey. I, I, nobody was a bigger fan of this guy. You know, I was a diehard. And when he took the job, I was extremely excited. And then the circus started and the nonsense started. But then we even moved on past that. I mean, if you listen in past episodes, you know how I ragged on him about the trips to Rome and, and all the rap videos and who's got it better than us and trying to make up your own coin phrases and tra- like all the stuff that just wasn't him. It was never him, man. You know, and I always was just like, Jimmy, just coach him up, man. Just do what you do. Be a football coach and coach him up. And then it seemed like they kind of got back to that a couple years ago. Seemed like he dropped all that other stuff and, and got back to coaching him up. But, I mean, here we are. I mean, here we are. And we're in a tough spot. We're in a tough spot because it's this has been abysmal. It's time for Jim to go. It is time for Jim to go, but he's got us over the barrel. He's got University of Michigan over the barrel. I mean, he's got him in a place where – Next year's his last year in his contract, and they're not going to move forward with a lame duck coach at the University of Michigan. You can't do that and compete in the Big Ten. You can't have a lame duck year, you know. And let me explain myself on that. It's simple. If they go into next year without extending his contract, he will get crushed on the recruiting trail. Everybody in the conference will be telling, uh, from Franklin to Day to row the boat dummy up in, in Minnesota, PJ Phony Fleck, they'll be all over the recruiting trail, and. and They'll be telling everybody, look, you're not, you can't go to Michigan. Jim Harbaugh's not going to be there next year. He's not going to be there next year. He's going to the NFL. He's not going to be there next year. They would have extended him if he was going to stay. He's got him over the barrel. They have one of two choices in this offseason, and it is to let him go pursue the NFL immediately, or they have to extend him. But this thing will not drag out. He will not be a lame duck coach next year. You know, and for my money, I, I, for my money, I think he's going to be the coach of the Bears next year. And, and – if that's not in the works already, everybody at the University of Michigan better get on the phone down to Chicago and beg them, beg them to take them, because it's time for Jim to go. This thing is not working. This And not being a hater, and I'm going to put facts on you, this has been one of the biggest disasters in the history of college football. And look, I'm not just crying because we can't beat Ohio State. I, I'm I'm smarter than that, okay? I'm not one of these SEC fans where they, they want to blow their head coach out every other year like just they just fired Gus down at Auburn you know they want to blow these coaches out in the SEC all the time because they can't beat Bama and it's like well who is beating Bama you know what I mean they're not so it's stupid they always want to blow these guys out the door down there and what what are you getting that's any better I mean Auburn's been competitive a few times with Alabama beat them you know what I mean that guy's a good coach he's got a good thing going down there you're not going to beat Nick Saban 
So just stop it. And then they want to blow them out the door. That, and, and I was listening to ESPN this week, and I couldn't disagree with, with Mike Greenberg anymore. Greeny's good friends with, with Harbaugh. He says it all the time in the show. Been friends for 30 years back when he covered the Bears, when Jimmy was down in Chicago with the Bears. And he'll tell you, Jim Harbaugh is extremely close friends with ownership in Chicago still to this day. And that's a fine point about the Bears and the ownership, and that's probably why I think he's going to go there, and it all fits. But Greeny was saying you're looking at it wrong if you think Harbaugh's the problem at Michigan. Harbaugh's not the problem. Michigan is the problem. And I'm, I'm thinking, what are you talking about? And then he goes on and on about you want to blow this guy out the door. Uh, you know, he's got that program winning again. He's getting recruits in there again. Just because you can't beat Ohio State, you want to fire him. And you better understand that Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama are on another level than anybody. You're not beating them. So just the answer is not to fire Jim Harbaugh. But I'm going to stop him right there. That's not the point. We don't want to fire him because he can't beat Ohio State. He hasn't beaten anybody, Greeny. This isn't the SEC thing where you can't beat Bama, we got to fire you so it looks like we're trying to beat Bama. That is not the case. We know we're not going to beat Ohio State right now. He's not beating anybody, especially Ohio State. I mean, he knows he's nowhere near beating Ohio State. That's why I think he leaves for the NFL this year, because he knows he's nowhere near beating Ohio State. When he had his best team on the revenge tour, smashing everybody, and everybody was just geared up for the Wolverines to be in the playoff and maybe make a run at the national title because it looked like we were going to compete that year with Bama and everybody. Couldn't wait for us to get in the playoff, and Urban Meyer stomped your best team out with his most mediocre team he had in a few years there. You know you're nowhere near beating them. But that's not the point. He's not beating anybody. I mean, his record against ranked teams is 11-16. and 16. That, That's against ranked teams. Anybody in the, in the top 25, he's 11-16 and 16 against them. That is, that is not you're good, but you're just not beating Ohio State. That's not good. I mean, his record against top 10 teams, we are 2-12 and 12 against top 10 teams. You, you think we're a top 10 program? I mean, you think we're a top 10 program. We're 2-12 and 12 against top 10 teams. Michigan is 2-12 and 12 against top 10 teams. But the biggest stat for a guy to live at Michigan, the biggest stat for you to live at Michigan is how you're doing against your rivals. Now, we've covered Ohio State. We know we're not getting ready to beat them. But he is 1-6 against Michigan State and Ohio State at home. 1-6. The one win we have against Michigan State at home at home was against that shitty three-win team Michigan State had. And I'm telling you, this ain't the Michigan State program that was playing in the playoffs for a couple years, a couple Big Ten championships. This is not that team anymore. We've beat them once at home. And we are 3-8 and eight collectively against Michigan State and Ohio State. And we couldn't even play Ohio State this year, thank God. And do you know that we have lost to Ohio State by an average of 17 points a game? An average of 17 points a game. And that's not even close to competitive, man, at all. I mean, hell, Brady Hoke beat Ohio State. He was 1-3. But all three of Brady Hoke's losses against Ohio State came to a total of 14 points. He lost to him three, te- three times by a total of 14 points. We're getting beat on average of 17 a game. So this is why it's not working out for Jim. This is not because fans expect to beat Ohio State and he hasn't done it yet. This is regularly getting beat by other teams in the conference that you need to be beating, Michigan State especially. That team from Michigan State that beat Michigan this year, 
Come on, man. They got beat by Rutgers the week before. Rutgers beat them the week before. And then they beat us in the big house. And bowl games, please. I mean, fine, you don't care about bowl games, whatever. But you better be winning bowl games, especially when you're getting some really good New Year's Day matchups that you probably didn't deserve. That's a great opportunity for recruiting, you know. And, and please, in bowl games, he's one in four. One in four. And his only win was his first year, the first bowl game he went to, and that was with Brady Hoke's team. And of the four bowl game losses, I mean, only one of those we were the underdog. Alabama whipped our ass, which you were going to expect that. But the other three bowl games he loses, we're the favorite over Florida State, they beat us. We're the favorite over South Carolina, they beat us. And if you remember, we were the favorite over Florida, who was down like six starters to some kind of scandal that happened, and they weren't allowed to travel and play in the bowl game, and they beat us. So I would say to Greeny, it's time for him to go because he's getting $8 million a year. I mean, that's a million dollars per win. That's a million dollars per win. And none of them are worth a million dollars because you ain't beating Michigan State. You ain't beating Ohio State. You're dropping games to Penn State. You're getting paid a million dollars a win over Purdue, Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota. No, no. And let me just make one more point as to why Jimmy is the problem. Do you know there's only three schools, three schools in college football right now that have more four- and five-star recruits on their roster? That's Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. All three of those schools have played for national titles or multiple national titles. You know, in 2016 and 2017, Jim Harbaugh had back-to-back number four recruiting classes in the nation. In 2016 and 17, back-to-back. Those guys should be juniors and seniors right now. Where is the turnout? How are we getting destroyed by teams that are losing to Rutgers? Um, It's not just that we're losing close games or we're right there or we are not a team that is reflective of back-to-back number four in the country recruiting classes, four and five stars all over your roster, and you're bad. And you're bad. Now, I get it. Sometimes these kids don't turn out. Sometimes a four-star recruit ain't shit. A three-star kid can be better. Believe me, I get that better than anybody. I'm a big fan of the two- and three-star kids with the chip on their shoulder. I love it. I get it. But my point is, when you've got a stable full of four- and five-stars, how are you not good? How are you not beyond competitive? It's coaching. It's coaching. And the proof is in the pudding. I said a million times on this show in the past. I've said it in 2018. I said it in 2019 on this very show. And now you're starting to hear it a lot on all these other sports talk shows. But some of the points they bring up are the one I used to bring up all the time. What's with all the transfers, especially at the quarterback position? You've got all these great recruiting classes. You're bringing in guys like crazy that are four and five stars. You're supposed to be the quarterback whisperer, Jim Harbaugh. And every every time we turn around, you've got to bring in these transfer students and plug them in really quickly and change the offense and change an offensive coordinator to try to fit this guy's new style. To get, what, what's going on? Is that stuff they're doing at other major programs? Is that happening at other major programs where they got to bring in a transfer quarterback every two years? No, it's not. Something is wrong, man. Something is wrong in that building over there. And it falls on Jimmy. And this may be a COVID season, you know, where you want to give a guy a break and, and, and you know, this thing's been sloppy. They started late, blah, blah, blah. But I'm telling you, the two teams in the Big Ten that had the loudest coaches in the offseason that couldn't shut up about how much we should be playing football and who cares about this pandemic were Scott Frost and Jim Harbaugh and the two of them look like idiots right now because they wish they didn't play a game this year 
tell you that. I mean, I don't care if it's a COVID season, man. That Michigan State team is bad, and they came in and beat you. And then it took four overtimes to beat Rutgers? Four overtimes to beat Rutgers? If this were anybody but Jim Harbaugh, he might have got fired on the tarmac. Now, just so I'm not some screaming head that you think is a hater and just hates Jim Harbaugh, which is not the case, again, I state, but I'll, I'll try to explain why I think we're not doing so well at Michigan. Because it's it's a big, it's a puzzle. And here's what I'll fall back on. I will say the problem started when you blew Lloyd Carr out the door. And let me explain myself. I'm not saying Lloyd Carr was the greatest coach in the world. Lloyd Carr was great, beat Ohio State a whole bunch of times, won a national title. My point is, when you have a coach like that, that is winning. And is that deep-rooted in your recruiting areas? Lloyd Carr would go down into Ohio and take guys from Ohio State's own backyard, guys like Desmond Howard, uh, guys like Charles Woodson. He'd go down there and get those guys. My point is, your recruiting map and the stranglehold you have on it when you're a coach of that stature is a big, big deal. And when you just blow a guy like that out the door for stupid reasons, it, it destroys that recruiting map and it cripples your program. And I'll give you a laundry list of places that that's happened. What happened to Texas when they blew Mac Brown out? Mac Brown had Texas on lock and would go into Oklahoma and steal kids away. I mean, he had that whole area on lockdown and they blew him out the door because what have you done for me lately? A few years removed from a national title, just like Lloyd Carr. And what happened to the Texas program? Texas A&M starts stealing guys. Houston starts stealing guys. Tom Herman over at Houston starts stealing recruits from you. You start losing people to Oklahoma like crazy. You, you, you blew up your recruiting map. Now I'm not saying you let these guys keep coaching forever. That's not my point, okay? You can't do a Joe Paterno and let the guy coach until he's just a figurehead drooling on the sideline when everybody else is making the calls. That crushes recruiting too. Here's another example. Bobby Bowden. Down Florida State. What kind of stranglehold did Florida State have on that whole recruiting area down there during Bobby Bowden and his reign down there? And what they do? Blew him out the door. And then what happened? Boom. They're no good anymore. Miami's stealing guys and they're back on the scene. Florida's stealing guys. They're back on the scene. Bama's in your backyard taking players away. I understand Saban's there, but I'm just saying. This is what happens. You need to take a page out of out of the book of like a Wisconsin. Wisconsin's not even some national powerhouse, but how good have they been, especially during Barry Alvarez's run? Okay, and when it was time for Barry Alvarez to go, did they blow Barry Alvarez out the door and blow up their whole recruiting map and all the ground they covered building that program and holding a lock on those recruiting areas? No, they simply pivoted, kept him involved with the program, kept him in the front office, if you will, of college football at the University of Wisconsin, athletic director. They kept him around, which kept his recruiting areas intact. You have to stop this habit of blowing up these recruiting maps okay i just laid it out for you where it's happened at a bunch of other schools and to me i think that's where the problem happened at michigan they blew lloyd out the door we all know he wasn't happy about it we all know he did not want to go and was not ready to go but the cries from the press and the cries from the idiot fans that don't understand football of you can't you just can't beat jim trestle okay who was beating jim trestle at the time okay it's gonna go that way you know, you're going to lose some games. It was all about the recruiting area. He had things on lock. You blew him out the door. And then 
You brought in a guy who couldn't hold those recruiting areas down. You brought in Rich Rod, who promised to bring a whole new wave of different football to you, and that was the death of your recruiting areas. Everybody in the area went, I don't want to go play there. And that was that. We still haven't recovered from it, man. It's bad business to blow classic coaches out the door. It's bad business. You can't do it like that. You got to be smarter. You got to hold down the recruiting areas that they've built. When a program is having some lull years after dominating for a long time and you got to go through a rebuild, you don't tear down the whole building to rebuild. This is not pro football. You have to have those recruiting areas intact. You can't tear the whole thing down. You restructure. You don't rebuild in college football, and that's how you do it. Restructure. You don't rebuild. So that being said, we're going to know right where we stand with the Jim Harbaugh situation in the next month, I would say, tops. If Michigan doesn't offer him an extension in the next month, uh, that's them playing chicken with him and saying, if you want to leave for the NFL, you're going to need to quit and go so that we don't have to pay you because we're not going to fire you and you're going to be a lame duck coach next year, and that isn't going to go well for you. That's going to screw you, and we'll go with somebody else the year after. But we're pretty much done here. So they're going to play chicken with him. If he doesn't get a contract extension within the next month, they're playing chicken with him. Uh, That being said, I fully expect them to offer him a contract extension, and we'll see what he does with it. But we'll know within the next month. But that brings us to who? This is also a great question I like to ask people. I don't like to be some kind of sports talk talking head where I think I know everything and he should be fired and then I don't have an answer for who. You know what I mean? That being said, I don't have an answer for who. I'm just telling you right now. It's early in the process. We don't know who's going to be out there. But I got a list of names here. I'll run them down. I'll tell you what I think about them. It's early in the process again. But let's take a look at who may even be interested to come here because that's a reality now, guys. That is a reality now. Who may even be willing to come here? Because as much as I used to rag on the old Big 12 and I still rag on the current Big 12 and how top-heavy it is and it's just not competitive, you got a couple of teams that are any good, not to mention other reasons. The Big 12 doesn't play any defense. 50-point games suck. I can't stand watching them. Anyway, um, that's the case here in the Big 10 now. I mean, you got Ohio State and everybody else. You got Ohio State and everybody else. I mean, it's like the ACC. You got Clemson and everybody else. So, who wants to come to Michigan is a big question right now. Who's willing to come here and try to take that on? Because the expectations are not going to change. It's not like you're coming in to take over a Penn State job, like if Franklin left for the NFL or went somewhere else and you're taking over Penn State. They got some expectations at Penn State, but they don't have Michigan expectations. You know, you take over the job at Michigan State, eh, they'll give you some time. You know, it's Michigan State. I love D'Antonio and the way that that program played football under him. I was a huge fan of the heart and, and the way the defense played at Michigan State. But somebody take that job, eh, they'll give you a little time. The expectations at Michigan are going to be get in here, get us into the Big Ten championship game. We expect to go to the playoff. We expect to play for a national title, and it's ridiculous. But a coach is going to have to deal with that. So, Who's going to want to come here to get your head kicked in by Ohio State every year and and have your fan base want to blow you out the door when you do? So let's don't run down a list of guys that might be willing to take that job. But let's start first with a dream. Let's have a little fun. Let's have a little fun. Let's start with something that has absolutely no chance of happening. Okay, I repeat that. I understand this has absolutely no chance of happening at all, but it sounds like a whole lot of fun, man. Let's write a letter that goes like this. Dear Bill Belichick, all right, I'll give you a second to laugh. Go ahead and laugh. 
But let's, let's have some fun, man. Dear Bill Belichick, you're hands down the greatest coach in NFL history. You've done it all. You need a new challenge. Bill, you need a new challenge. Join Pete Carroll in the club of a national champion and Super Bowl champion. Join him in that club. Fuel those competitive juices again, Bill, with challenges like beating Ohio State. And then furthermore, beating the college games gurus like beating Nick Saban, beating Dabo Sweeney. Have fun embarrassing a clown like P.J. Flack on a Saturday afternoon. I know you would hate that guy, Bill. You would hate him. And Bill, there's no salary caps, okay? There's no franchise tags. It's just good old-fashioned coaching with kids who are eager to win. It's a brand new challenge, and my God, who wouldn't love to see Bill Belichick take over a program and come and get Nick Saban and go and get Dabo Sweeney and reignite the Notre Dame rivalry and kick Brian Kelly's team right in the teeth? Come on, Bill. You would love it. Get those competitive juices back. You've dominated the NFL. There's nothing left to do there. Anyway, enough of that. It'd be fun though, right? Wouldn't it? It'd be a lot of fun. But back to reality. Uh, here's a list of some guys that are out there that are on the market. or not technically, but would be. You could maybe go after and get. And they're, you know, on the rumor mills, on the M lives and everything like that. They're catching some they're catching some heat here. But anyway, here we go. I got a pretty short to medium sized list here of guys that I think that they should consider. All right. Now I told you we were gonna circle back on Tom Herman. Okay, we talked about him at Houston when he took over that program and was swiping guys from Texas after Mac Brown left. Uh, had Houston high on the map, you know, BCS game. This guy takes over the Texas program, and again, Texas is a lot like Michigan, where their expectations of what they think is supposed to happen immediately are unrealistic. You tell me what the state of that program was when Tom Herman took it over. Okay, it wasn't very good. Then they went to beating Oklahoma, playing in the Big 12 championship game. They're competitive again now. They're at the top of that conference again now. Um, I, I think he's done a, a good job there, especially with what he's had to deal with. Scorch recruiting earth aside and what he's had to try to do there, now that Texas A&M has joined the SEC, that's not an easy thing to do. A lot of kids want to play in the SEC. I mean, Texas A&M is going to people now and being like, hey, we're going to play Bama. We're going to play LSU. We're going to play Auburn. You know what I mean? You, you want to go to Texas, and, and who are you going to play? You're going to play Oklahoma. That's going to be fun. Then you get to play Oklahoma State. Uh, I guess you get to play Baylor, you know. I guess you, you get to go and play Iowa State and have a good chance of them upsetting you because they're up and coming. It's just not as good a sell as playing at Texas A&M, so that's a problem for them recruiting as well. But anyway, I think the fun thing to look at here is the triangle of what's happening in Texas right now. Okay, we all know the rumors that Urban Meyer's taking that job next year. There's already been reports that he's been cited. His wife's been cited looking at real estate. They want him to come in. Now, you know that Herman was Urban Meyer's offensive coordinator for his national championship team. So it's got to hurt Tom a little bit that his old boss is coming in to try to take his job. That's got to that's gotta, that's gotta have him a little upset. I would imagine that's a little irritating. And his dream job is Ohio State. His dream job is Ohio State. Urban Meyer wouldn't even step down in time for him to take over and take that dream job. You know, he had to bail and go down to Houston and try to prove himself, which he did, and then parlay that into getting a major program job at Texas, which he did. And then Urban steps aside, and then they let Day take over. Then Day takes over the head coaching job. Boy, that's got to burn him a little bit too now. Then the other guy gets the job. 
I'm not even going to be considered now. This guy's young. He's got the job locked down. They're they're going to the playoff every damn year. I got no chance at my dream job because it was given to somebody else instead of me, and I feel like I deserved it. And now, to top it off, Urban Meyer, my old boss, has come down here to take my job? Yeah, maybe I'll put a chip on my shoulder and go up in Ann Arbor and take that job. Maybe I put a chip on my shoulder a la Bo Schembechler coming out of the enemy's camp, get into Ann Arbor, take that job, get really pissed, prove to them how wrong they were, and stick it in their ass. Maybe he wants to do that. I'd be down to see. I'd be down to see. I think he's a good coach. Anyway, two hot names on the coaching list right now that everybody seems to think are prime for the pick in a, a head coaching jobs that I'm going to say no thanks to both of them are going to be uh, Steve Sarkeesian, offensive coordinator at Bama, we know that guy's history, uh, and to me, going to be the offensive coordinator at Bama now, not back when they were in the middle of, of becoming who they were and, and the runs that they were having, but now that they kind of get everybody, um, I don't know. I'm not that wild with that guy, and he really kind of shit the bed when he was out at USC with some dumb stuff. I don't think I'm into that, you know what I mean? And uh, the Alex Grinch, the Oklahoma Defensive coordinator? I mean, this guy, I'm seeing him on every list of, of possible head coaches out there. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, Oklahoma's got to score 58 points to win every game, 58 to 53. Now, this thing's got Matt Patricia written all over it. No thanks. Another name that's pretty hot on everybody's list is Kyle Whittingham at Utah. You know, but he's he's signed himself a pretty good extension there. He's been a lock there since Urban Meyer was there and, and ran that undefeated season and then left for the job at Florida. Uh, Whittingham took the job over after that, and Utah's been perennial top 20, if not in the top 15. Uh, they're damn good, and why would he leave Utah? I mean, the Pac-12 is right for the picking. Who's dominating the Pac-12? Utah's right in the mix every damn year, you know? And I I love the way that this guy plays football. He'd fit in at Michigan in a heartbeat. I'll tell you that right now. His style of play would fit right in. The defense plays nasty, stingy, with a chip on their shoulder. They line up and pound the football. They're going to run it down your throat, and they're going to get a quarterback that can make some plays. I mean, that fits for me at Michigan, man. So I'd love to see this guy, but he ain't leaving Utah. Why would you leave Utah? You got a maid in the shade in the Pac-12. You're competing for it every year. He ain't going nowhere. Another guy that falls into that category for me who I really like and I would really love to see them go after to get this job is Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Just talked about him a minute ago. They they jump up and beat people, and they do it. You know, they jump up and beat people. He's got this program playing like a program that it belongs. And this isn't a flash in the pan like they're having a good year and he's going to parlay this into a job. This guy's built this thing himself. You know, he's been there for a while. They've, They've just given him a huge extension, though. He's extended through 2025. And again, with him, why not stay? I mean, the Big 12 blows. Why not stay and and compete to dominate in the Big 12? Now, there are some reports that he's interested in the U of M job. Uh, He's an ex-Toledo head coach. You know, he's from Cleveland uh, suburbs. He's from the suburbs of Cleveland. Um, He was a Buckeye kid growing up, though. I mean, and he knows he can't get that job. We already talked about that. He ain't getting that job for quite a while. And growing up a, a fan of the game. You know what I mean? He didn't go to Ohio State. This is a kid that played at Mount Union in college, won a couple of national titles there, uh, took the head coaching job at Toledo, like I said. But growing up in Ohio, there's nothing bigger than the game. And if you can't get in the game as the head coach at Ohio State, why not take the job as the head coach at Michigan? Again, get in the game. I'd love to see him. But, again, he just I don't see this guy leaving Iowa State. I just don't. Why? Another guy just got freed up this week. Gus Malzahn, Malzane, depends on what part of the country you're from, I guess, how you pronounce the guy's name. But 
I mean, he's got a track record. Of, he, he did pretty well down at Auburn. I mean, he's had them playing well for a while, and now they're kind of falling off. But you can't compete year after year after year, especially when your campus is right in the backyard of Alabama. I mean, he did a good job of getting the kids he could, competing with them. There's been some Iron Bowl blowouts, but he's had some Iron Bowl upsets. This guy's, you know, he's beat them. Hell, he's better than beat them. He's 3-4. and four. I mean, Melzahn is 3-4 and four against Saban in seven years at Auburn. He's damn near 500 against Nick Saban, and they want to blow this guy out the door? Okay. I'm not saying I'd be terribly excited about this guy getting the job, but I'm saying I'd entertain listening to why he would want to have it. I'd listen to the guy. I'd sit down in a room and let him explain to me how maybe he's going to bring that pipeline of, of Southern SEC talent up to Michigan. You know, I'd like to hear a little bit about that before I blow this out the door. It's not my first choice. I'm not excited about it, but, I mean, that's a name in the mix. I'd hear the guy out. And there's another name that just keeps popping up, but I'm telling you guys, as much as you'd love to hear this one, uh, i got to shoot it down, and that's Les Miles. Uh, I'm sorry, man. That's a tough sell for me right now. You're living in the past, you know. You're living in the past. Years back, we were all excited about that maybe happening, and we wanted him here, and he's Michigan man and all that. But I, I don't like it now, man. Kansas hasn't shown anything, okay, and the Big 12 ain't that great. Okay, but Kansas hasn't shown anything. I mean, they're not even competitive. And he's been there a few years, man, and it's been bad. That's a real tough sell for me there. It's been bad. You know, I'd be I'd be all in in I'd be all in for considering this if he had at least made that program competitive. If they had a couple of upset wins under their belt, like not even as good as Iowa State, but if they were like just a notch or two below Iowa State, as far as how many games they're winning every year and a knockoff a team here and there, I might want to entertain that. But right now, I'm sorry, man. Kansas looks terrible. I think the game's passed this guy right on by, and I'm just not even interested in, in having a conversation about it. The next guy on my list, and it feels like, man, now I'm looking at this one, it just feels like I'm, I'm t- saying, why would anybody come here? And this guy, why would he leave his job? But again, the next guy that's hot on the list is Tony Elliott. He's the Clemson offensive coordinator. Now, he may not leave because he gets paid more than almost every OC in the country. All right, He makes $1.6 million as the offensive coordinator. You know what I mean? He's making more money as the offensive coordinator than Jim Harbaugh gets paid per win. You know, So why leave? You don't have any of the headaches of being a head coach. You don't have any of the, the you know, ramifications of losing a game like that to Notre Dame and then they're coming after you for it. They're going after Dabo. You're sitting pretty. You're getting all the best recruits in the country, and you're getting paid like a big-time head coach. Why leave? But they all want to be head coach, man. We know that. They all want to be a head coach someday. So, I mean, nothing wrong with that shit. I want to be a head coach someday. But they all want to be head coach, so I wouldn't rule it out. But for right now, I think that guy's sitting pretty. Be a great fit for us, though, because he's an offensive guy. If he would come in and keep Don Brown, I mean, that would be a perfect fit. We could bring in some offense, keep the defense playing the way that they play, and you can argue it hasn't been good, but I'm just going to tell you, when it's three and out all the goddamn time and you can't get a first down, you can't keep hanging that on the defense. You think of the couple of teams that we've had where the offense has been decent and then Don Brown has painted a genius the way that defense looks when he just gets a small break during games. So I love Don Brown. He's fantastic. We can keep him and get an offensive mind like Tony Elliott. I mean, I'd be all for it. But again, why would this guy leave Clemson? And the last guy that I think they should consider for the job, brought to us by our new segment, 
Chip Talk. This Chip Talk brought to you by our hopefully soon-to-be sponsor, Better Made Chips, the greatest potato chips in the world. And if you want to get into some Chip Talk, anytime you want to get at me on the Twitter, let's do it. And I'll tell you where the best potato chips are in every region of this country. If you're in the Midwest, it's obviously Better Made Chips. If you're down south, it's Zaps all the way. I am and have been a potato chip connoisseur my whole life. Let me tell you, you want some good chips? Get at me on that Twitter, dog. But my next guy I think they should consider for the job is Central Michigan Chippewa coach Jim McElwain. Now go ahead and laugh at me and say this is a homer call, but let me just run some stuff down for you. All right? Some things you may not know about Jim McElwain, okay? Jim McElwain was the head football coach at Florida, the Gators, okay? And not long ago. He was a head coach there from 2014 to 2017. He was the SEC East champ in 2015 and 2016. They played in the SEC championship game both seasons, okay? So this is a guy that knows how to coach in major conferences, all right? He was coach of the year in the SEC in 2015. Maybe you didn't know any of that, but this guy knows football, and he can coach in a major conference. Now, I bring him up for another reason, okay? He took over the program in Florida, and it was a program that was in shambles. They fired the former coach. I think they had won three games the season before, and the very next season, he takes over the job in 2014. In 2015, he's coach of the year and in the SEC championship game, Okay. In 2016, he's in the SEC championship game again. Now, I bring that up because he takes over another guy's team that couldn't win, and in one year, he's in the conference championship game with them. That's a guy who knows how to coach. What did he do up at Central Michigan? At Central Michigan, he took over a team that won one game, one game before he got there last year. And what did they do? Fire up chips. Central Michigan went to the MAC championship game. So again, this guy took over someone else's team that couldn't win and takes them to the conference championship game. All right. Now they lost the conference championship game to Miami 26-21, but it was a hell of a football game, man. But this guy knows how to coach. And I bring it up, as I stated, because he has a track record of taking other guys' teams, taking their talent they couldn't win with, and winning quickly. Now I already told you how many four and five stars are all up and down this roster at Michigan. This is a guy that could come in, take these guys, and turn them into winners immediately based on his track record. And he's coached big-time football before. Now let me bring up another point to you. You may not have known this. The year before he took the job with CMU, where did he coach? He was the wide receivers coach and assistant to the offensive coordinator at the University of Michigan. This guy's got Michigan ties. And not only Michigan ties, ties to the very recruits that are on that team. He was there and helped recruit some of them. He knows some of them. He's got ties to this team. So where was he before he was coaching at Florida? Well, he was the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban at Alabama winning national championships. Okay? So again, this is a guy that's offensive-minded at a very high level. This isn't a Johnny-come-lately newest mind in offense. This guy gets it and has got it for a long time on the offensive side of the football. This is a guy that can come in, take over the offense, and let Don Brown stay with the defense. And that's what we all want. That's what we all want. We want to keep Donnie, no doubt about it. So this is a guy that could come in, win quickly, with a roster full of talent that hasn't been utilized, and maybe maybe he can get this offense back to – be reminiscent of U of M offenses in the past. 
some big linemen, some big power backs that can just break it out and explode, a strong QB that can sling it, maybe grab some first downs with his legs, but can sling the ball around like they do down at Alabama. They hammer it down your throat, and they got a guy that'll kill you if they need to pass the ball. Maybe he brings that style of offense back. I don't know. But don't laugh when this guy's name comes up about this job. And it ain't just a homework call, fire up chips. I'm telling you, this guy should be considered for this job. Took a terrible Florida team to the SEC championship game and won himself coach of the year in one season. Took a 1-11 Central Michigan team that was abysmal, worst team in the history of the college. The next season, they're in the MAC championship game. Imagine what this guy might be able to do with some four- and five-star kids that he helped bring in himself, that he recruited himself. I don't know. I don't think it's a laughing matter. I think this guy should be in the room and get an interview. And that brings us to the Great Depression of Mr. Garrett Fuller, Mr. Wayne County Life himself, who is not going to know what to do once Jimmy Harbaugh is not coach of this team. And I have evidence here to him on the show stating just that. The day they fire that guy, Mike, I'll go with my hands up going, I don't know what's next. But I'm with you, Garrett. I don't know where this leaves us either, man. If this guy couldn't come in and save this program, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who's going to. I don't know who would want this job. I don't know who would even want it. But I hope somebody does, and I hope they bring a chip on their shoulder. Pun intended. So that's what's on my mind this week, and as always, disagree with me or don't. I don't care what you do, but do it on Twitter. Get at us at DWMODpod on Twitter. Let me know what you think. Give me your takes. Maybe I'll throw them into the next episode, which will be about the Detroit Lions. We all know that Quinn got fired. We all know that Patricia got fired. And next week, we're going to talk about exactly why. That thing was a hot mess, too. But until then... Sit down in front of the TV, watch some sports, get yourself a nice cold old English 800, get yourself a good bag of better made chips, and we'll see you next time.